0: Trade professionals um, and, and those that show up on job sites every day show up with a st- substantial amount of knowledge and contribution to the job site. They know what they're there to do from a get things done standpoint. They know what to do from a be safe on a job site standpoint. They know what to do from a reporting standpoint and a CYA standpoint for for some uh, purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get and they get their work done. Um, So kind of making that space for them to have that time is difficult, I think. Um.
1: Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is a sustainable designer, builder, and project manager. Graham Thiel is well-versed in facilitating AEC industry innovation and incorporating practical aspects of advanced manufacturing, prefabrication, modular, and lean into conventional projects. Welcome to the show, Graham. Thanks for having me, Todd. Really
0: appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how do you see innovation really being adopted in the construction industry right now?
0: Uh, good, good question. Uh, as you know, these are uh, beyond interesting and challenging times. Uh, you know, kind of going back just a little bit, uh, technology and innovation. Um, I'd like to think has always been a part of the te- the construction industry. Um, I think that you know, given the boom that we've experienced, there's been a, a surge in technology and a surge in opportunity for adoption in technology, and with this, say new time that we're facing with COVID-19 and other activities um, that that are causing such challenges, I think that that kind of drives a lot more focus on um, what is necessary and what is applicable um, and and what you can start to to actually plug in and play with on a job site uh, today. Um, As you know, with COVID-19 and and the shutdowns that we've at least experienced in the Bay Area and other parts of the country, um, it's created certain requirements around safety on the job site that were already there. Mm-hmm. Um, just so from from an adaption standpoint, um, l- looking forward to seeing kind of what truly comes out of uh, of this time and what things are, are being put in place um, as we start to to kind of come out of it and open up and, and see what 's really needed on job sites
1: yeah, for sure. I, I think if you were in favor of the the digital transformation before all this, then you are you're very excited right now because it <laughs> kind of forced a, a lot of uh, firms and companies into that workflow, uh, at least to try it out because they had to. Be yeah. I mean,
0: just from a, a, a remote connectivity to the job site or just a remote connectivity to personnel, um, you know, all the things like zoom that we're on now or um, you know, other platforms for, go to meetings and such and and creating that collaborative real-time conversation with a little bit of a a visual communication so you can see the people Mm -hmm. that you have been working with and need to continue to work with um i think it's just all that more powerful to see the rapid transition from in-person to uh to 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 digital to virtual and to kind of see what that solves for it solves Mm -hmm. for, for i think most things uh from from a connectivity standpoint from a meeting standpoint um, but that 's just the the start of it when you have certain offices shut down as your own, which you 're now back in, which is good to see, um, so that I think just the connectivity itself and that, that real time interaction yeah. uh, which takes place you know day in day out from six a m to six p m on, on certain job sites and other manufacturing environments where where shifts are, are double and, and three a day. Um, Having at least this in person uh, opportunity to to speak and connect on the communication side is, is just one of the very rapid adoptions that I think we've seen over the last couple of months
1: yeah, for sure, so you mentioned collaboration. What do you think the relationship between collaboration and innovation really is and probably should be
0: um, yeah i I think in order for innovation to actually work, um, you do have to have collaboration. Um, innovation in a vacuum is great. Um, oftentimes it kind of takes that siloed thought, even though, you know, the whole point of, of, of innovation and communication and collaboration is to break down silos, but oftentimes that idea, uh, Mm -hmm. may just kind of rise up somewhere and says, hey, I want to see if I can innovate this way, or I want to try to modify this piece of software to take in this information, or I'd like this report to do that. Um, that's the beginning of it. I think that, it will only start to catch on or only actually do what it's supposed to do and have the impact that it really could have um, with collaboration. Um, So for example, if I'm looking to, to bring an idea to a job site, it might be a nice idea, but if it doesn't work for the superintendent or the senior project manager or the subcontractors or the owner, or if it creates an unreasonable burden that I hadn't foreseen, I'm only going to determine that through collaboration, through sharing that idea, through socializing it, through getting people's input besides myself from different perspectives through collaboration and conversation.
1: Uh-huh. So how do you go about, um, you know, winning people over to your idea? So you mentioned to, to get other people's buy-in, but, but how do you go about that in the construction industry?
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, beyond just construction, I think getting people's buy-in begins with relationships. Um, You know, if I have a great idea that doesn't really matter if people don't like me or or won't listen to me or won't see things from my perspective. Um, So, you know, for myself personally, um, I put a lot of emphasis on those personal and professional relationships and seeing things from other people's perspective so that when they come in with an idea or I come in with an idea or the owner asks for something that we may or may not wanna do, um, that we do have that relationship, that mutual respect, the ability to see from each other's perspective so that when we're asked to do something that may be outside of my skill set or unbeknownst to another trade professional, we've got that groundwork of that relationship that, you know, beginning of collaboration so that when a challenge does come our way, we'll move towards each other and we'll work together on it as opposed to say fighting about it, disagreeing, putting it off or, or pointing fingers at at, at one another. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. So building that relationship before you need something from them.
0: Exactly. Which is oftentimes it's, it's, it's its own Is is actually getting into that relationship and having that that time and creating that space and prioritizing it given the multitude of other actual requirements uh in in the day and day out aspects of of various jobs
1: yeah why do you think that piece gets overlooked more uh, of taking the time to build those relationships
0: um i i think great folks and great teams and Great companies pride themselves on it. Um, I think if you look at at the mission statements and, and at the work a lot of organizations do, um, it is there. Uh, it is reflected in senior leadership and it is reflected in, in the project teams and you do see it in the personnel on the job sites. Um, it's just human nature you know, to find great ways to work together, especially when things are difficult. Um, in construction, there's all kinds of requirements. There's all kinds of contracts. There's all kinds of training. There's all kinds of focuses. Um, you know, if you, you and I walk on a job site, we've got to wear certain aspects of PPE. We can come in at certain times. You and I, you know, from an MEP standpoint, you might be the the plumber that has certain tasks to do at certain times. I might be the electrician, even though I'm not an electrician, that has certain <laughs> tasks to do at certain times. Um, even though there may be a, you know, a daily job site meeting, uh, you know, holistically across the job site, led by the, the general superintendent. You might have your own specific, you know, sub-meeting. And mm-hmm. then you have your, your hourly work that you need to do uh, in that time today. So it's also not usually in the contract to say, hey, here's that line where everyone works really, really well together.
1: Right. Um, usually the opposite, now, they like build in. Right. <laughs> kind of antagonistic. Right.
0: And, and your morning stretch and flex or your job site safety talk doesn't quite get into the, how's everybody feeling today? Uh, what can we do to make our job site more collaborative um, if it's outside the contract, if people aren't incentivized to do so. Um, So I think a a lot of the history of it is that there's so much that's required uh, to be brought to a job site from a, call it a hard skill standpoint, right? From From a trade perspective, from a safety perspective, from a schedule and execution perspective that it doesn't always get the focus and attention that it needs. Because when things do get difficult, it is that focus and attention that you do need on collaboration in order to um, innovate and solve complex problems.
1: Hey, innovators. Wanted to share some exciting news. The Bridge in the Gap podcast has been nominated for the Construction Junkies 2020 Best Construction Podcast Award. I am so humbled and excited to be in the running with 11 other amazing podcasts. I'd be honored if you'd consider voting for the show in this category. We will have a link to vote in the show notes. Thank you for voting and thank you for continuing to listen to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Right. Well, and you need both. You need those, those hard skills. I mean, that's what gets the job done and what oh, sure. everybody's there for. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Then you need the, the soft skills to be more efficient in your hard skills.
0: Correct. Correct. And a lot of the groundwork is there, because there is planning, 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 and then things change. And then there's planning, 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 and then things change. But it's that that difficulty in the relationships when things change. Hey, I have to go tell somebody. They can't do that thing that we just planned to do. They might be upset. They might be mad. They might walk off the job site. They might smash the sheetrock. You know, all, all those thoughts sometimes go through my mind when, we've put a lot of effort into certain aspects of a, of a job or a day and all of a sudden they got to change. And that's when I often look to, well, it's a good thing that they've been part of that planning, that they know why things were this way and they'll be open to at least trying to figure out how to adapt.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So what does good communication in AEC look like to you?
0: Ooh. Uh, It's not well-detailed meeting notes, (laughs) 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 which is something I often put a a lot of emphasis on from the project management standpoint, uh, because there's certain requirements that say, hey, you you need good meeting notes. Um, There's a lot of things to it. Um, I think depending upon... Um, the topic, if we could say specific on a on a job site meeting, you know making sure that the stakeholders are there uh, the, the the team members the trade uh, trades that it impacts um, have a seat at the table mm-hmm. that doesn 't always happen on, on certain job sites with certain teams there 's historically more of a command and control standpoint where you show up on a job and you get told what to do and some aspect of of how you got to do it. And there's a contract over there, but not everybody down to the laborer reads every letter in the contract that says, you know, I do this this way and you do that that way and here's how we get the job done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So having an openness and inclusivity uh, to having those conversations, which I don't think historically has been a part of, uh, of a lot of the, say the job planning, I think in, in a lot of the more sophisticated organizations where they treat their subcontractors as trade partners which you start to see in more of design build type projects or integrated project delivery uh, type style projects where uh, collaboration is built into that contract where figuring out um, aspects of design to inform aspects of construction is part of the process that you do see a lot more of that and that can be leveraged from say that big picture structure of a design build or integrated project management delivery, uh, you can start seeing that in the daily planning because the project teams have already contracted and collaborated at that greater scale um, to solve needs down to the, the daily task. So I think some organizations, some jobs, some contracts and projects are set up to be more successful at it. And others are say practicing the industry standard of not really making space or time for it.
1: Yeah. Interesting. So Graham, wondering if you could I- expand upon some of the technology to, to help uh, connect people and, and to foster that collaboration. Sure.
0: Um, well, specifically in the time of uh, COVID-19, one of the technologies I've looked to uh, in my role uh, as connecting the, the job site to the office from, from an architectural standpoint in uh, construction administration, um, has been Holo Builder, which is a 360 photo capture, uh, kind of overlaid uh, of the various uh, site plans uh-huh. uh, or plans. Um, and very, very simple technology uh, requires the use of a, a 360 a spherical, spherical camera, um, a tripod or no tripod. Uh, but it's it's just a very, very quick way to simply do a, call it a, a job site walk, just a, a walkthrough and a capture. Um, oftentimes they're done uh, daily for certain aspects or, or weekly for certain aspects from a general contractor standpoint. But you know, m- my role from an architectural standpoint, being the one who would be on site, I would look to align that with uh, our weekly OAC meetings, owner architecture contractor meetings. So I kind of had a line in the sand of here's what was captured on the day that we met on this mm-hmm. week and the things that we talked about so that there was the ability for any one of the team members, owner, architect, contractor, subcontractor, and more importantly, uh, the architectural team back in the office to click on a link, pull up the floor plan, click on that spot and see spherically and in all directions, what exactly that we're talking about, be it a specific architectural detail or something more say logistically oriented, like we can't install this this way. Let's look at a different way of of fabricating it. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a, a connectivity standpoint, Um, It gave us the the real-time ability uh, with one person, uh, didn't even have to be me, it could have been the general contractor, a a foreman, or a a superintendent, to do that walkthrough to provide that visual information to any member of the project team who had access to that link. Um, And it was something that I had implemented across all the projects I had touched before uh, the Bay Area started their shutdowns of construction uh, mid-March. Um, I was doing a weekly capture. I kind of drove around to a bunch of job sites thinking that there was going to be a little bit more of a, of an actual shutdown coming through. Um, so I did a lot more capture um, in advance of, of those next, uh, those next weekly meetings. So we had a, a really clear visual line in the sand of, of where things were before yeah. what ended up being a, a much more prolonged shutdown for construction project types in, in the Bay area. Uh, yeah. And that was a very useful tool in just having that line in the sand, but also for the greater project team, who is now remote, now connecting through Zoom, now connecting through screen share, um, who would normally meet on a job site and walk over to that spot and all stand there and look up at that issue. Right. Um, here, here's the ability to click on a link from wherever you are to bring you in remotely to that specific location on that job site. Um, so. Yeah, that's great. One of the many tools, um, but a really great light duty, fast um, way to, to show people 360 spherically what's actually going on at that date at that time uh, on a job site to remotely connect uh, anyone um, to the project.
1: So what are some habits and, and maybe routines that people can start to put in place to help the industry communicate better?
0: Trade professionals um, and, and those that show up on job sites every day show up with a st- substantial amount of knowledge and contribution to the job site they know what they 're there to do from a get things done standpoint they know what to do from a be safe on a job site standpoint they know what to do from a reporting standpoint and a CYA standpoint for for some uh, purposes mm-hmm. um, and they get and they get their work done. Um, so kind of making that space for them to have that time is difficult, I think, um, because from, you know, clock starts to, to, to whistle blows, you know, there's sheetrock that's got to get hung. There's all these things that, that need to happen. Um, and there isn't always that designated time and space for it. Um, so I think beginning to look for those small opportunities um, is, is kind of where I'd like to start. Uh, When I was a superintendent or a project manager that was on job sites, um, it's often those, you know, those encounters in the elevator, those job walks, when you take the time, at least myself personally, to talk to uh, the working foreman, the tradesmen who were doing the work at the time. So I've got a deeper understanding of what they're putting up on the wall, and they've got an understanding that I'm curious and I want to know. So beginning to make time, uh, beginning to ask those questions, coming from a... Um, say a, a, a senior position, and knowing that in order for me to foster this on a job site, I have to be that example. I have to be the one who engages them and says, Hey, it's okay to not necessarily stop what you're doing, but have a conversation about what you're doing or ask mm-hmm. questions about what others um, are doing on that job site to be more informed. You know, again, people know what they're doing, they may not know in great detail what a you know, subcontractor or, or trade partner ABC are doing but it all informs their work. And it all is part of a a holistic uh, construction process, which is kind of why I've I've taken the professional path I've taken to have a multitude of perspectives from working with an architecture firm to working with general contractors to being an owner's rep. So, you know, I personally and professionally have a bit broader of a perspective on the challenges of delivering a project um, and how to work with the various teams that, that touch it at different phases. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though a an electrician's there to to do what they're doing as much as they can and do have to collaborate with uh, their other trade professionals that they're doing the wiring for that they're running through the walls um, the better and you'll you'll see it on a job site you'll see trade professionals talking to each other about you know who goes first or what's going to happen next week um, and when you see it, encourage it when you see it, step in and be informed by that discussion. Um, from from a From a management standpoint, I think, um, at the trade level standpoint, you know I, I haven't been through an apprenticeship program, um, but I've done multitudes of, of roles as framer, carpenter, laborer, demolition person. Um, so I'd love to see more of that soft skills in in the kind of bringing up through the industry. Um, but again, I, I think it's something that it has to you have to look to make time for it. And I think sure. when the right organizations and the right people are in place who are encouraged uh, to create that space and time on the job site for those conversations, um, the more you'll start to see it on, on that job site, and hopefully the more it'll start to uh, kind of cross-pollinate throughout those different organizations or on other job sites.
1: Hey, MEP friends, looking for a competitive edge? MEP Force is the event for you. It has become the gathering place for industry leaders throughout MEP to come together and learn the new technology trends in prefabrication and more. The best part is that it's all industry led and driven, meaning real people from the trades will be leading the almost 80 breakout sessions. So you will be getting real life practical examples and use cases to take back and implement right away. This year, it's all virtual, So if you register now, you will have access to all the breakout sessions even after the official event is over. Go to MEPforce.com to register today and use promo code BTG99 to get your ticket for only $99. That's an almost 80% discount. See you virtually at MEPforce. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, So maybe let's back up for a second. How would you define soft skills?
0: Um, I think listening is a good one. Um, You know, giving space, uh, Mm -hmm. giving time, giving your attention is the beginning. Um, Soft skills, I think, isn't always my reaction to something is soft. My response to something is soft. Um, This is an environment where there's a lot of hard skills, right, Um, and and that's always the focus. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think those soft skills, you know, they're not encouraged, they're not trained, and you might see them somewhere, but you know, oftentimes if you look around and see a bunch of guys on the job site having a conversation when the emphasis is to, to produce work, you might not be, or I might not be as open to fostering or facilitating that conversation. I might kind of walk over and say, hey guys, what are we talking about? Let's get back to work. We got stuff we need to do today. What are we doing all standing around and talking? Um, but over my time, I realized that, hey, <laughs> there's a reason these guys are talking. There's either something that hasn't been figured out on my end as, as that superintendent, as that project manager, and they're clearly talking through something, you know, and if it's, you know, sports or news or whatever, great. The more they can have that positive relationship mm-hmm. uh, and have that time on that job. So, even though there is the need to get work done. And again, they bring hard skills and guys can work fast and and people can work with quality. Um, but I think just, um, Recognizing and listening is kind of the beginning of those soft skills. Um, and then once you see things uh, and understand you know, that that is a good conversation, that you should foster collaboration on a job site, And it begins with recognizing these small touch points uh, to make space and form and encourage them. Um, I mean, I myself, I worked in um, a number of different industries before uh, moving solely into construction um, and architecture and design, or AEC, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, I worked in in restaurants in high school. I worked in daycare centers in preschool while I was in college, and then here I am managing people on a job site where you know, I look around and it's like, wow, um, there's a lot going on here. I've uh, yeah. also done some work in uh, you know low no budget film where a lot of people are working really really collaboratively together, and you're lighting guy isn't fighting the sound guy, isn't fighting the camera operator. They're all working together to get the shot lit and the things up and running so that, that the film can can move on. So I've always been sure. inspired by seeing the collaboration in other industries um, and looking to bring those soft skills that are, say, on a set or in the back of the house in the restaurant or at nap time at a daycare center and bring them over to the <laughs> construction industry to know that you know, maybe lunch break, maybe guys are getting hungry, guys are getting yeah. a little cranky, let's, let's have lunch break, let's have lunch break right now.
1: Right, so. yeah, that's a really interesting comparison, especially with the, the movie industry, because everybody knows kind of their part to play, and is is good with that, so the, the lighting's hopefully not going to tell the, the sound engineer what to do, and vice versa, and they sure. know their part, and they're going to make it the, the best possible uh, for the, the collective to succeed and thrive there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you have with um, you know, certain trades or, or certain service providers, um, they touch a, a, an arc of that design into construction, into operations phase, right? They, they might be there for the demolition or they might be there for the foundation. They're not there to see that, you know, new community housing building being opened and seeing the, you know, the full aspect of, of what they were a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes there, there is a gathering, or there is a celebration, or there is a, a team dinner, or there is a thank you. Um, you know, there, there's always a, a topping out ceremony, which I think is really really cool. Uh, but the folks who show up for those topping out ceremonies aren't necessarily those those finished trade professionals that yeah. are that are no, at the end of the point. job. They're the folks who are who are there leading up to that that beam getting put in place, signed <laughs> by the project teams. Um, so I think the the more that you know both in in that that microcosm that 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 day, that small conversation, what can be gotten out of that that small conversation that it just happens on a job site that is the beginning of a relationship between two different trade or two different individuals? How can we foster and encourage that to both how can we bring in a, a greater understanding of the project life cycle to um, you know, certain trades. I mean, clearly they get it. They, they know what building a building is, but when they're more involved in, in the end to end process, I'd like to think that they'd bring more um, to, to, to their day, or at least mm-hmm. a, a broader perspective uh, to their, to their more finite skill set.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you see any, um, you know, generational difference in the ability to pull in the soft skills or, or the um, effort to sit down and, and listen. I'm um, just curious. I, I don't know one way or the other. I was <laughs> just curious. yeah.
0: Yeah. No. That's 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 um, it, it, it's the, there's definitely generational aspects uh, to construction. I mean, you know, we can kind of say, hey, you know, adopting technology is is not something for the you know older, more senior generation, but that's actually quite the opposite. Uh, Those are often the folks who uh, have seen things be as they've been for 20, 30 years and and they may be in their latter years in a career and they want to bring in some aspect of change and they want to be a part of taking their historical knowledge and saying, Mm -hmm. this piece of technology would actually solve for these things. I know this because I have 25 years experience doing formwork and concrete. I don't, but those, those more senior skilled individuals do and they see, the benefit of adopting technology or, uh, or, or, or having you know, the, those types of, of skills and, and level mm-hmm. of engagement, as opposed to being a little bit more hard and, and rigid and saying, you know, I'm, I'm senior, I know these things, I don't need to engage. Um, but as we've seen in the last session, there was a big drop off in trade professionals, people going into apprenticeships, people coming out of architecture and engineering schools um, so there hasn't been as much youth coming into the organization, which I think is all the more reason why we should facilitate and foster collaboration between those those two different ends of the age spectrum, the, the 45, 55, 65 year olds who are still banging things out on a job site and the 18 to 25 year olds who are coming on the job site, coming out of high school, coming out of trade programs, coming out of apprenticeships. I think the more we can connect uh, the folks at, at the different ends of their career, Mm-hmm. I think the more it can do for for the youth, and the more it can bring some, say, rejuvenation into uh, the careers of the of the more seasoned, more senior individuals, to kind of bring mm-hmm. bring a little bit more life and excitement uh, into the tail end of, of their professionalism.
1: Oh, for sure. I'm all about that uh, cross generational and um, yeah. Kind of mentorship. Uh, yeah. I, I think the more conversations, the better. Uh, yeah. Across a whole lot of different divides.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, and for. I mean, it's one thing for, for soft skills, um, you know, clearly people who have been in the industry longer know the benefit of relationships, know the need to prioritize conversations and talking things through and, and fostering that understanding so that when the work's time to get done, we go get the work done, we don't you know, stop and ask questions. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the more uh, that that can be seen and shared by that younger group that's moving in to say hey it's okay to stop and talk about stuff it's okay to make sure everybody understands what we're doing so that when we go do it we can knock it out and we can get it done well Um, but from a technology standpoint you know as you know with with technology in the industry we often see a lot of youth coming into it for say a startup or let's go disrupt this let's do that and we've got Mm -hmm. a number of younger engineers coming into a, a much more seasoned industry um, and there has been uh, software technology construction startup com- companies that have looked to engage more senior members of certain trades for the software that they're designing to see hey let's speak with more seasoned individuals as opposed to think that you know what we've come up with as a technology solution in a silo is going to work for this industry no let's talk to the folks who've been in this industry for decades and see if they think that that this is applicable or let's just listen, let's give them space, let's see what they need for innovation at this time in the industry.
1: Yeah. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit ASTi.com and let them know we sent you. Yeah. Uh, so how would you encourage people to build a relationship and really go about earning that respect? mainly between designer and journeyman?
0: Um, I, I can only speak from, from my experience. I can speak from the, um, the individuals who, who've approached me from a, a, a trade standpoint. Um, most recently on a job site as the uh, director of construction, managing CA out in the field, verifying where uh, mechanical units were being put in so I could go back to our um, architecture office to inform our staff. Hey, we might need to shift some lighting here, here, and here. Here's where they um, where they're starting to put their in for the mechanical units, mm-hmm. um, and that might dictate. Let's all bring things down to to 10 feet instead of 11 feet, so everything can fly with the same lighting plan. Or we're gonna need to bump a few things around. Um, you know, I was out there. You know, spot measuring. I had a laser. I had my computer. I had a few different pieces of of odds and ends of technology. I had my Um, 360 camera and builder going on so I could document um, what was currently being put up and then post that back to the office so they could see in real time that, you know, in addition to my numbers on a a 2D plan, here's where the mechanical units actually are and here's the guys on the scissor lift that are putting it up. So let's get information back to them in a timely manner. And the guy doing the layout on the mechanical units looks at me and sees I've got a laptop open, I got a tablet open, I got this crazy odd camera. I'm doing a bunch of stuff and I'm not asking him any questions and he looks at me and he stops what he's doing, drilling into the concrete and he says, what are you doing down there? I say, oh, <laughs> I'm you know, gathering all this information so that yeah. I can send it back to the office so we can change the lighting plan. There's a younger guy and he looks at me and he's like, why didn't you ask me? I can tell you, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, one inch away or two inches away and... What do you need all that stuff for? And I was like, Well, I'm using this for this, I'm using that for that, and I'm using this for this. He's like, Oh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. And you know, that was kind of our first conversation. And you know, given he was on the job site and I was on the job site pretty frequently, we started to have a few more. And he started to ask me, you know, how'd you get where you are, uh, and what do you do with this with, with the industry? And he was coming from a very strict you know, mechanical uh, apprenticeship that he was just completing, um, and he wanted to see what I was doing with the other tools and technology on the job site and wanted to know why, um, you know, and I took a moment, looked around and I said, Hey, this is someone who wants to know more about not just their job, but how their work is impacting the whole of the project. You know, clearly mm-hmm. he knows he's hanging in a mechanical unit and there's lighting. Um, but his priority is the mechanical unit, the architect's priority is that lighting design. And furthermore, that's the experience of that tenant or that owner in that space that they truly see and feel is that lighting experience. You know, Clearly the place has to be conditioned uh, and it has to be heated and cooled and all that has to technically work well. Um, but that kind of was the beginning of, of one of our many conversations uh, with this individual uh, about kind of what else is going on on a job site, who needs what information when, and what his role is in it. And then, what he can do to help me do a better job in reporting information back to my architecture firm
1: yeah I think that's really interesting on and a good illustration on the importance of both sides sharing information sure. and kind of respecting sure. where the other person's coming from and what they 're looking at on a job site because everybody sees it through different lenses, and rightfully so you you should look for for different things right. Um, Signing but up. it That's wasn't It great. wasn't
0: my soft skills going up to him and saying,
1: where are you actually going to put that embed? Is it where your
0: mark is off the floor on the ceiling? Is there a rebar? I know you scanned it. I'm just kind of going off of the floor and he looks down and he's the one who used his soft skills uh, to yeah. engage me. Which the moment I recognized what he was doing, I saw that as a more open opportunity uh, to both expand my knowledge of his role on the job site and to help him understand my role on the job site.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's great. You know, even people that are are focused on soft skills and, and have that as a um, you know in in the forefront, like you do, is we all can <laughs> have reminders because we get kind of tunnel vision on the job and and what we see in, in front of us. So I think that sure. reminders great. Sure. Uh, so in, in a race for the the bottom line. Why is it important for companies to really stop and and think about this whole concept?
0: Yeah, uh, well, with you know the, this surge in construction over the last you know, four, five, six years that we've seen, um, I think to some extent there's been a, a lack of competition. Um, you know, at least in the San Francisco Bay Area, with the, with mm-hmm. the boom in construction, with the increase in construction cost, it's really been um, you know the highest bidder. Uh, it hasn't been that, that race to the bottom. It's always been about price. Um, Don't get me wrong, but from, from a competition standpoint, you couldn't get enough contractors. You couldn't get enough sheetrockers. You couldn't get enough laborers to build what uh, the previous wave was, was trying to build at least in, in city and county of San Francisco and the surrounding Bay area, which is why prices were in part um, going up. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with this, COVID-19 and the economic, um, results of it. Unfortunately, uh, it will create, uh, the need for more competition. Um, you know, th- there will be projects that will fall off. There will be more things to, to bid over. There will be a uh, greater focus on, on price and doing more with arguably less, whether that's, you know, less, um, Material from, from a, a manufacturing standpoint, given we're starting to see some delays on the supply chain side in manufacturing industries um, or in labor, smaller companies not able to stay in business or adapt to rules and regulations and changes on job sites, um, we are going to see more competition. Uh, it is going to be uh, a focus on price. Um, and in that sense, I think that the contractors and trade professionals who have begun to use technology are only going to see greater benefits in being more competitive with that technology. Um, Even if it's on on accuracy and and pricing and takeoffs or being able to to schedule and plan and come up with different scenarios to show that they can be more adaptable or more flexible on job sites with different safety requirements. Um, So I, I think we're only gonna see an increase and the need to leverage technology to be more competitive. Mm
1: -hmm. Whereas
0: I think in the last four or five years, we've seen technology as um, not just a nice to have, there's been funds for it, and then there's been an ask for it from an ownership standpoint, which helps fuel the contractors looking to, the subcontractors and and trade professionals to to truly bring and adopt that technology on a job site. Um, I think that, the trend that we're gonna start to see now is for them leveraging those technologies to show how they're more competitive, how they're more flexible, Mm. um, how they can do more with less.
1: Yeah, I for sure agree with that. Um, What do you think the biggest opportunity for construction is moving forward?
0: Um, I think what you you get on a lot of job sites um, is the opportunity for collaboration, is the opportunity for a lot of diversity. Um, is the opportunity to, for an industry to to really inform uh, and and further develop itself? Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the drivers are seen as ownership or general contractor, where, as I think you and I kind of know, it's it's really the the trade professionals, the subcontractors uh, that that do the work. Everyone yeah. else is well, they have a
1: special job. place in this podcast. Yeah, hard. <laughs> everyone else is, is, is pushing yeah. a schedule
0: or uh, or pushing a budget. they they're not pushing the work. Um, and I think it's all the more clear uh, that it is the, the the people who are doing the work. It's all the more clear that that those folks do need to feel safe coming onto a job site. That although safety has always been a tremendous focus and even more so recently, um, safety is primary. If folks don't feel comfortable and safe on a job site, you're not going to get the best work product out of them. Right. So for those general contractors and owners who Want to attract the best talent to build their jobs, the safer that they can make their job sites and communicate that to their project teams, um, the better projects you'll get. The, the more they'll see that they're being respected as, as a trade professional with ownership and GCs that care about their safety, that mm-hmm. care about their health and well-being. Those are the job sites that I'm gonna to want to work on.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> For yeah. sure. Uh huh. Awesome. Well, how do people get in touch with you?
0: Uh LinkedIn's good. Uh e- email's good. Um cell phone's good. Zoom zoom <laughs> Zoom seems to be the way. Uh yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for jumping on and uh, joining the show. Really appreciate You're
0: it. You're welcome, Todd. R- really uh fun discussion. Uh look forward to, to seeing more of your podcasts and let me know uh how it can be a resource for you in the future.
1: I appreciate that likewise. Okay. And Thank you to those listening. If you're interested in learning any more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyant, produced by Alyssa Chartier, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production, copyright applied software. 2020.